Hello and welcome to episode 104 of the Ego Chow Podcast. My name is Pesson Byers and as always, I'm joined by my co-host Justin Binkowski. And on today's episode, we are talking all things Major 1. The Call of Duty League's first major of the season happened this weekend, ended just a little bit ago uh, in Boston, and we finally have a major champion uh, for this 2024 season. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about what is to come for Major 2 and for the rest of the CDL season. But before we get to any of that, how are you doing, Bink? I'm doing all right. Had a long weekend of Call of Duty and, you know, just happened a couple hours ago. So while well, it's fresh on fine, might as well jump in. Yep. Lots of Call of Duty, lots of football, especially just today. Um, a lot of things going on. Uh, we're just going to stick to the Call of Duty part. Uh, pardon me for being sick. Um, this has literally been an entire month of me being sick, um, but it has actually gotten worse in the last few days, which is always what you want. Um, but we're going to talk about the first major that happened this season. Um, again, in Boston, a really big event. Uh, I didn't really know what to expect. We've been talking about this entire season about um, how there really are four teams that we feel are kind of cut above everyone else, that being Toronto, New York, Optic, and FaZe. That did not really bear out you know, quite, um, quite that way. Um, in, in Boston, uh, you know, three fourths, they held up the job, but, um, one did not, but we'll talk about the champion, uh, the, the best team, uh, definitively this weekend, the Toronto ultra, they won major one. Um, they beat Atlanta phase in the grand finals today, uh, four one in that grand finals. And, uh, Toronto seven and two in map count against Atlanta phase this weekend. Um, any overall o overarching thoughts about the Toronto ultra um, and their very, very impressive run this weekend in Boston. Yeah. I mean, it's gotta be one of the most impressive overall tournament. I don't want to say run because then you get into like the, like the LEG losers bracket run and other stuff like that. But I guess just tournament performance we've seen yeah. for a team that didn't lose a series. Um, you mentioned seven two against Atlanta. They they had a thirteen and two map count yeah. for the tournament overall because they had two three zero sweeps before playing Atlanta. The only two maps that Atlanta beat them on were Invasion Control. So Toronto went six and zero in Hardpoint, five and zero in Search, and two and two in Control. So literally undefeated in two out of the three game modes. And when you say that, sometimes you might think, you're like, oh, they went undefeated in control. It's only one map. No, that was the one mode they lost. They went undefeated in the two most important modes because they show up twice in uh, a best of five. And in search, if it went the distance, would have been three times in a best of seven. Um, so just really strong performance. And I guess it, it really goes back to me. I was I was trying to think about it. Um, right before these, uh, right before the tournament, in the last set of online qualifiers, we had Toronto versus New York, and Toronto absolutely smoked New York 3-0, and we were kind of just sitting here like, what the heck's going on? Like that we weren't expecting that, and maybe it could have been a little indicative of New York's performance at this tournament, but also it it had to have been like a preview of what we were eventually going to see in Boston from Toronto, uh, just a, a pure dominant event when you know 
if you tell me a team goes undefeated in hardpoint at an event, I'm like, yeah, that's cool. You tell me a team goes undefeated in search at an event, yeah, that's cool. But I cannot think of a time where a team went undefeated in hardpoint and search at the same event. That's just absolutely ludicrous in my mind. So really good job out of the boys on Toronto. Really strong performance. Um, and uh, shout out the Tissue, Kleenex, getting that MVP. The Tissue was definitely an issue all weekend, as was all, all the boys on uh, Toronto. Well, with Toronto, what made it so difficult was that Boston match in the qualifiers. That threw, like, if they hadn't lost that match, or if they, you know, definitely had, had they swept Boston, it was their third match. Um, it was their last match before the holiday break. Um, so that was kind of like the lasting thought we had of the Ultra in the qualifiers was getting swept by the Boston Breach uh, in December. And that lingered with me. I don't know if it lingered with you, but that certainly played on my mind of like, you know, I believe that Toronto could win, but to think that they could be this dominant. But if you, you looked at all of their other results outside of that one, they 3-1 against LAG, 3-0 against Carolina, 3-0 against Seattle, 3-1 against LAT. And then, of course, like you said, um, they beat uh, 3-0 uh, Subliners and 3-1 Vegas. Granted, those aren't great teams, a lot of them. You know, Vegas, uh, LAT, you know, Seattle is decent, but we honestly weren't sure how to, to rank them or whatever. Uh, Carolina, LAG, neither of those teams were seen as very stiff competition. But they handled each of those opponents very, very well. So that made it a little more difficult to kind of see, are they are they a dominant team or are they still figuring things out? It was evident at the major that they had figured it out, that they were completely on the right page. Um, like you said, they're undefeated in the two most important game modes, which if you're doing that, you will win every single series, no matter what. Like you, you will never even go to a game five, and they and they did yep. not. Um, they they only went to one game four uh, before the grand finals. They beat Phase three one in the winners finals, and then won four one in the grand finals. Um, their overall map count stats so. Obviously, you said they're undefeated in hardpoint and SD in the major. They're 15 and 1 in hardpoint all the season, 9 and 3 in search, 7 and 4 in control. That's completely dominant. Um, hardpoint, that's pretty much automatically starting with a 1 0 lead in the series. 9 and 3 in SD, that's a very good chance that you're starting with a 2 0 lead. You just need one of those last three maps, and um, they don't usually need any more than four at this point. Um, so just an incredible, incredible uh, run from them or incredible really stage or whatever you want to call this first chunk of the season. Um, uh, definitely the best team in the world at the moment. Um, they've kind of taken that mantle from New York. New York kind of let that mantle uh, go as well. Um, but Toronto really looked like every bit of the best team in the world um, in Boston. I, I will just say too, like to the Boston point, I I think in my eyes that definitely like had an impact on my perception of Toronto because when I was looking back at the qualifier records and stuff, uh, just after the finals, you know, Toronto went six and one in the qualifiers, eighteen and six map count. Uh, Phase was seven and zero with a twenty one and five map count. So they literally only lost one more map. Uh, then phase in the qualifiers, obviously they didn't win. 
as many yeah. times because they had the one loss. But still, I th- I think you're right that 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 series lost to Boston. The fact it was a three zero was just just really threw a wrench in the perception of this team. Um, but obviously they uh, proved any doubters wrong, and they are the undisputed best team in it right now. Yeah, I think did I pick Toronto to win the major? When we did our predictions last week, I know you went with Faze. I think you might have, yeah. And, you know, I think, I, I obviously, they got to the, both of them got to the grand finals. Faze was, you know, very obviously the second best team at this event. Um, but, and I don't even think that there's a gigantic gap that can't be made up because Faze, you know, we can break down the, the grand finals here in, in a minute. Um, Faze definitely had their chances of, you know, taking a map or two more. Um, and, and really making these series more competitive and and definitely put the pressure on Toronto that obviously didn't happen. Uh, but, you know, I, I definitely do think that either one of those teams, uh, those are the two best teams in the world at the moment. Um, I don't think that there's any debate there uh, because FaZe also took care of business outside of, you know, facing Toronto. The only thing we got to mention before we get into looking ahead here too much is that these teams are essentially going to be playing almost an entirely different game, at least when it comes to hardpoint, with four out of the five maps having hardpoint hills changed. Um, and from the community perception and reactions to it initially, most of the challengers seem to like say a lot of the maps are play very differently now, and, and you know, spawns and everything, rotations are different. So, um, it will be interesting to see how these pro teams adapt to it because they've been playing on the previous patch and they they yeah. had to like avoid ranked play and stuff so they weren't like you know, uh, you know, getting bad practice quote unquote because uh, you know, of playing on rotations and stuff that they aren't going to be playing on land. But um, and the other caveat to that for the lower ranked teams at this event is you can potentially pick up someone from challengers who's been playing on this patch for two weeks. And they technically have a bit of a head start on some of these pros who even the guys like on Toronto and FaZe, they, they haven't been touching that stuff. Uh, and now you, you bring in a challengers might give a little bit of a head start. So it will be interesting to see that in the major two qualifiers, but we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves here. Yeah, definitely. Um, let's just talk about real quick the the grand finals. Uh, just, as, you know, in general, we're, we want to at least give the fans an idea of how this series broke down. Uh, of course, this was a best of seven series, uh, you know, first team to win four maps. Uh, Toronto was, uh, they won four of the five maps in the series, but uh, both hard points were very, very close. Phase very easily uh, could have won both of those hard points. And like you said earlier, uh, phase won the invasion control. Same thing happened in the winner's finals uh, where phase uh, won invasion control, but lost the other three maps. Karachi Hardpoint and Skid Row Hardpoint, um, those are going to be maps that FaZe is really going to look back on and kick themselves. Um, they were up, I think, 233 to 190 on Karachi Hardpoint to start the series, and Insight went nuts. He uh, he had a, a streak that he used um, that stopped the stop FaZe um, from getting any more points, and then I think he went on like a 5-6 kill streak. Um, he pretty much saved the game for them they come back they win 250 to 239 so they they score 60 points while only allowing phase to score six more for the rest of the game 
uh, S&D, they were perfect, of course. So they were, uh, Toronto went six, or they won 6-2 on that. Insight, 11 kills. Kleenex, 9 kills. Um, that Invasion Control, uh, again, went to FaZe, uh, which, you know, congrats to them, I guess. It's it's better than getting swept. Toronto definitely had that feeling last time uh, in their last Grand Finals. Um, and Skid Row, Hardpoint, 250 to 237. Um, uh, Selim and Simp both had, uh, they had 25 and 24. Um, and, it, and, and if you just look at the kills, it wasn't anything impressive, uh, you know, either way, there wasn't something that really stuck out, but Toronto had time and time again, they just were able to close out these games. And then they, again, six two phase in search, anything big jump out to you in this series. Yeah. That, that first map really, I mean, kind of, uh, you know, it, it's weird to look back on it and say it could have been a momentum swing just based on the overall map counts for Toronto and how well they played in hardpoint search throughout. But, you know, not thinking about that at the time, just heading into the grand finals, like you know, we've talked before about the, the quote-unquote winner's bracket disadvantage or the loser's bracket advantage of being the team to, like, play right before the grand finals and have a little bit of momentum. Guns are a little bit hotter than potentially your team who's only shooting bots in the back. Um... And, you know, that looked like a map that FaZe could have closed out and should have closed out if Toronto just didn't go massive on that diner hill uh, on in, on Karachi there. Um, and if, if, if it, you know, Atlanta is able to close that one out, it's a completely different scoreline, right? They got, um, you know, that, that'd be Toronto's first hard point loss of the entire tournament. Uh, potentially could have affected morale heading into the search. But uh, what just stood out to me in particular for the grand finals was those searches. Uh, you know, historically, FaZe is a franchise, despite all the iterations they've had of that fourth player, whether it's RCD Slasher, now Draza, um, you know, obviously some smaller sample size with Draza, but the point is FaZe, as a franchise in the CDL, has historically been a strong search and destroy team. Um, if you tell me they're going to drop, like, you know, a search here or there, or, you know, even if you tell me they lose two searches to Toronto in a grand finals, I'd be a little surprised. Um, you tell me they're they're not even like really close. Like six two isn't like really close. Literally, only two rounds on the board. So if it's, it's if it was like six four six five, obviously that's really close. Um, but you just, that's just something I I haven't been I wouldn't have expected uh, out of this matchup. So that was the biggest surprise to me. And I think comparatively to Phase's two showdowns with Optic this weekend, who ended up coming in third at this event. Um, Atlanta won through search really. Um, in their first matchup, at least they they pulled off the the two. I think it was two. Uh, yeah, it was a two three five. So it was a Neslo optic one. Both hard points in that. Um, so that's you know if you're just thinking historically of the CDL and even pre CDL days for optic. Um, Optic's really strong at the respawns, FaZe really good at the search. That kind of makes sense. In the second showdown there, FaZe ended up taking uh, the hard points against Optic, which didn't match up with what happened, but they did win the searches. So they won three searches against Optic, who come in third, and then they lose three searches to Toronto, who take the whole thing. So that kind of brings into question in my mind, like, like you have to say right now Toronto is the best search team, just they, they yeah, literally didn't definitely. drop a, a map in that mode at this event. But what is that gap like between 
them, Bayou's in second, and then even Optic in third, which I don't know if you would consider Optic the third best search team, even if they came in third at the event. Uh, they've had some, you know, ups and downs and searches already this year. I know they've had a bunch of, you know, like two or three that I can think of on my mind, around 11 losses very early in the qualifiers. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's just the most surprising thing to me about the Grand Finals is not only did Toronto take all the searches against FaZe this weekend, but they did it pretty convincingly. And I think even, um, yeah, because the, the first search in the winners bracket finals was six one. Yeah. So they they it was eighteen to five round yeah, count for exactly. Toronto versus Atlanta and Search. That's just not really close. And uh you know you you throw Atlanta's five rounds together in three maps. They literally don't even have enough rounds there one in three maps to win one map on its own. So I think that just takes into account to emphasize and, and really show how strong Toronto is right now. Um and we're going to have to see, you know, historically, even, you know, before FaZe brought in Tupac and, and all those moves they've made to improve in individual game modes over the years, um, they, there have been some ups and downs for them in individual modes and stuff. They they always find a way to, to rebound and, and try and figure it out. Um, so it will be interesting to see what they do if they, you know, maybe switch up some map vetoes, switch up some strats and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, the, the search performance from both teams in the grand finals and just in that matchup between Toronto and Atlanta this weekend uh, was the most surprising element of the finals to me. For for FaZe, it's that they are so good that it's so hard to kind of find where where can you improve to this degree? How can you make up an 18 to 5 S&D round advantage? You are, and I, I was looking at their records while you were speaking. So FaZe against all the other teams that they played this season, they are 12-1 and 1 in Search and Destroy. They are 0-3 against Toronto. In Hardpoint, FaZe is 11-4 against all of their other opponents. They're 0-4 against Toronto. The only game mode, of course, is Control. They're 7-3 against everyone else, and now they're 2-0 against Toronto, but... We've said it before, control is the least important game mode. It only comes up once. And FaZe are very, very good. They are, let's say, great in hardpoint and search and destroy. But Toronto is that much greater. And that is going to be difficult. And I'm interested to see what FaZe's coaching staff does and what those players do to improve and to change things so that when they do play Toronto next, and I am i didn't look at their qualifier schedule if they play them in the next set of qualifiers or if they would have to wait until the next major, but the, the idea is to beat Toronto. They're going to now be training specifically to beat the Ultra in the same way that a lot of times in the past they've they've had to try to train to be optic and, and that didn't work for so long. Now they're going to be chasing the ultra and trying to figure out how can we make up the ground that we've lost in search and destroy. I don't think that there is that much ground that they need to make up in hard point considering how close, you know, especially in the grand finals, they lost by 11 points and 13 points. So you lost by 24 combined points in those hard points in the grand finals. And I think even in that first series, um, the first Karachi was 250 to 214. Granted, the sub base was pretty wide open, but still it, the, the first hard point um, wasn't that wide open. So I, I think phase 
they have to improve obviously in everything. Um, you can't stay stagnant. Uh, but hard point is, you know, they have to improve a little bit. They have to close out the map specifically um, and limit those big plays by Toronto that really hurt them. But search and destroy, they, they kind of have to rethink things um, because that's something that isn't changing. Hard point is kind of a toss up because like you said, the changes that are happening that are coming to the CDL in terms of, you know, the, um, the hard point placement. That might change a lot of teams and how they they play those those uh, certain maps and those certain hills. Search and Destroy is going to be relatively the same, and they're going to have to make up a lot of ground. Um, and I think it's going to be pretty interesting to see what they have what they have to do to do that. Um, but yeah, Toronto, an incredible weekend. Uh, like you said, Kleenex MVP, uh, which is just great for him. I mean, you've been singing his praises for years saying the tissue is an issue um and you know scrap back back with another championship i'm sure he's he's very pleased with himself i mean why why wouldn't you be he's he had a very very good weekend and so did toronto um talk about phase and optic real quick because these are obviously the two teams that finish out the top three uh, they played each other twice this weekend um like we Mostly expected, they played in the winners' semifinals, uh, FaZe and Optic did, and they met again in the losers' finals. FaZe came out on top in both of these series, which is a three-match win streak for Atlanta FaZe, which may be the longest in years. It has to be the longest in years. I don't know how many years, uh, because I think last weekend, we uh, or last week, we said that Optic had won like you know, 15 of the last 18 matches against FaZe. Now FaZe has won three in a row, uh, 3-2 in the first series, 3-1 in the second. Um, any thoughts on these two series and these two teams colliding for the second and third time in, you know, just over a week? Uh, just to put a bow on uh, Atlanta-Toronto, we'll see that March 3rd uh, in the qualifiers, so they will play. Um, I was scrolling through the schedule really quick too and i notice optic will play toronto on march 10th as well uh so we will get to see toronto potentially be tested although it will be online um and even if atlanta wins that qualifier match there's still probably going to be questions about you know which team is better until we see toronto play atlanta on land again um and one thing we didn't mention about that was that that was a potentially dangerous situation for toronto uh, considering the fact of the last time they were in the grand finals was the 5-0 loss to New York at Champs. Um, if this was if this was back-to-back tournaments where Toronto won, beat a team in the winners bracket finals, and then lost to that same team in the uh, grand finals, uh, there would be some questions thrown around about you know whether the team has the clutch gene and all that. But obviously, they yeah. didn't, we don't have to worry about that because they you know that narrative didn't pull through for this time. Um, but back to what you're saying here, um, I think at least off the top of my head, uh, the winner's bracket showdown between Optic and Atlanta was the best series of the tournament. Uh, when, when game five there, um, was really close individual maps. The, the, the map for Hardpoint Kenny went huge at the end there. If I remember that correctly, it was really close. Mm -hmm. Um, but that that was probably I think my favorite series of you know I I I thought you know 
Toronto's performance uh, both times against uh, Atlanta were definitely noteworthy, but um, I just think overall the the best series or most competitive series just due to how strong Toronto was against Atlanta. I think that this the winners bracket showdown between Optic and Atlanta was probably the most competitive series or one of at least of this tournament. Um, and yeah, I think that's you know the way Atlanta was able to win the searches against Optic might not be something that's surprising to longtime fans. And, you know, we've talked historically all the way back, even CWL days and before all that about Optic, the dynasty team being really strong in the respawn. Sometimes you're able to beat them in the searches though, and that you can pull off the Nezlo with a two, three, five, um, and, and get the job done that way. Um, but then for Atlanta to respond immediately, and obviously some maps were different between the two series, uh, mm -hmm. most notably in um, the first time they played, they played on sub-base, hardpoint, and they played Invasion uh, both, times. both times, and they split it, but uh, the first one switched between uh, sorry, Terminal and sub-base. Um, so it's it's just interesting to see how Atlanta was able to adapt quickly there for the hard points and and you know maybe fix some mistakes to get the job done there. Mm -hmm. Um but yeah, I I think that's just, you know, you you have Atlanta beating Optic in the S&Ds and then they're losing them to Toronto or I should say they're beating Optic in the searches and they're losing those hard points. They're able to fix that. But then against Toronto, they're losing both and they weren't able to adapt. I think that just puts into perspective right now, you know, one, two, three, you got to go. Yeah. Toronto, Atlanta, Optic. Um, but really close matches. Pred played super well this weekend. He was he was firing on all cylinders. Um, I, I was watching the, the Scump watch party today and they they were even saying in there they were they were kind of joking like pred's not going to go near the hill very often but he's he's going to get you those kills and uh you kind of just gotta you you play around him picking up those kills and you you fill in the rest after that so it was kind of funny um but yeah he played really well and i i i do think that that team has so much talent on it that i i think you know i i i would be surprised if third was the highest placing they get this year um, definitely expect to see them in a finals at, at some point, and if not, hoisting the trophy at one point. But um, I do think c coming into this event, if you said Optic gets third, some fans might have had some questions because they had some losses in the qualifiers, and especially they literally lost last week in the qualifiers to Miami, who was the team they played in the first round. And we were even talking about, you know, that, that Florida-Miami franchise curse and mm -hmm. and all that stuff. And, you know, Optic took care of them, and it was, you know, outside they, they only lost to Atlanta. Um, so they were able to beat everybody else that was put in front of them. Um, so strong performance out of them. We've said historically on the pot as well, you know, the green wall isn't, you know, most looking patient for anything other base. than first. Yeah, they, <laughs> they 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 expect first place and nothing nothing less. Ricky Bobby, you ain't first, you last. Yeah. Um, but I I think all things considered, based on how their record was in the qualifiers and all that, third place, you you got to be okay with that for now. Um, and you just you you hit this uh hit this new patch here and and see what you can cook up. Yeah, I think um, you know, it's different for me because. I I started watching competitive COD. Uh, you know, I've said this literally multiple times on this pod, but we probably have new listeners every time. 
Um, but I started watching it in 2013. So Optic was not like the world beaters that they eventually became, especially in like AW. So they were like a third place team. I think they placed uh, third or fourth at champs in 2013. And then they placed, I think, third again. Or They, they were always, you know, kind of a, a tier below like a, a championship contender. Um, because at the time, it was kind of like impact. Uh, you know, complexity was right there with them, and then complexity, uh, you know, became greater and envy. Um, so optic obviously has risen and risen, and they became a championship dynasty, um, especially with formal and scump and all of them. Um, but they haven't been that in a while, and I. But that that expectation has never changed. So they have become a good, sometimes great team, but. Uh, I think I don't remember who tweeted it. It was a team account. Uh, I think it might have been Phase when they beat Optic the first time. They tweeted something like 695 days since our last tourney win, and it was Optic. It was like a picture of the Optic uh, roster, and that's kind of like what Optic is right now. Like they are on the cusp. Obviously, they they don't put Dashy, Kenny, Pred, and Shotzi together to get third place. It's this is not the peak. Um, if this was Minnesota or this was LAG, third place would be incredible for them. They would see that as an accomplishment. That maybe they can't get above that, but they might be just okay with that. Optic is not that. So you know, like you said. The green wall, not going to be super kind to a third place. Uh, maybe this one, just because they look so shaky in that last week of the qualifiers, maybe there is a little bit of, okay, like, you know, we, we fumbled the ball a little bit, but we picked it up and we got, you know, close to the end zone. We're not there yet, but we will get there if we continue to improve. Um, but S&D is a massive problem right now. Five and 10 in S&D. Um, I think they were 0 and 3 against FaZe. Um, yeah, 6 and 3 on Invasion uh, Search. The uh, in the second series, 6 4 Invasion Search in the first, and 6 2 in the game five on High Rise. So 0 and 3 against FaZe and Search. 5 and 10 overall. Um, Hardpoint is looking pretty strong. I think this is what 8 10 14 and six in hard point so that what's that include the qualifiers right even the yeah 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 this is all this is all um like from the first i think 11 matches that they've played um so you know obviously some of this is skewed by getting swept twice last week in the qualifiers um and then they have obviously played some really tough teams including phase twice this weekend um but Search and Destroy will definitely have to improve to be a championship team. That's something we've seen time and time again from not only Optic, but FaZe dealt with that where they were a very good respawn team but couldn't figure out in Search. Um, we've seen it with other teams where it's the opposite. They they win Search, but they can't win anything else. Um, you have to be a pretty well-rounded team to be a championship uh, level squad, uh, especially at this level. Um, but I, I think they can figure it out. Uh, I... I believe in Kenny and in Pred that they're, you know, upgrades to this roster and that they can bring something um, and they can help them win championships. Obviously, there is uh, a world championship, you know, pedigree with Kenny having won just a few years ago. And Pred is one of the best players in the entire world. Um, and that's what they 
they knew they were getting. That's what they wanted all last season when Pred was supposedly being offered, you know, or Seattle was being offered the biggest buyout like in CDL history for him um, earlier in the season. Like Optic knew that he could bring them to a championship or hope that uh, he could bring them to a championship. And like you said, he played very, very well um, in these two series. He was the only Optic player to finish above a 1KD, uh, 1.18 in the first series, 1.11 in the second um, of course, he is a slayer. That's kind of his thing, uh, but he's he's just super good. Like he's he is uh, an incredible talent, um, and uh, it'll be intriguing to say the least to see how Optic fans respond to this and how Optic in general responds and kind of moves forward in the the major two qualifiers. Um, what team should we talk about next? Um, because obviously, I think we should probably talk about Minnesota. Uh, they finished fourth this weekend, which is a huge surprise. Um, I don't think either one of us were thinking fourth place for this team, um, considering they were uh, dead last, I think, in the CDL rankings or in the CDL standings after the first few weeks. They had not won a single match um, at the time of the holiday break, if I'm not mistaken. And but since that holiday break, they have looked a lot stronger. Uh, I wasn't quite sure what to make of them, essentially, because they didn't play great competition in those last few matches um, of the qualifiers. But they looked very, very strong uh, this weekend against, again, not great competition um, other than the, the one match that we should probably talk about now. Um, they beat the New York Subliners 3-0 in the winner's bracket round one match. Um, I think I mentioned on the preview pod that that could be an interesting match just because Minnesota, I think they had won three matches in a row in the qualifiers that they have some momentum. New York, I think their last match was that 3-0 loss to Toronto, if I'm not mistaken. Um, or maybe they had lost, or maybe they had won another one. But New York didn't have the momentum. Minnesota definitely did heading into this. And it was a 3-0, which is, you know, we've said it a lot of times, like, you know, to, to think about an upset, you're like, okay, it's an upset. But to think about a 3-0 of the defending world champions by a team that, you know, kind of barely got into the winner's bracket in the first place, um, that's really surprising. What stuck out to you uh, with this Minnesota run or this uh, Minnesota versus New York matchup specifically? I think overall this weekend, a lot of people were singing Lindsay's praise. He he seemed to, you know, kind of state his claim for Rookie of the Year early on here. Um, and Big Wake was finally in Big Wake mode in some of uh, Minnesota's strong performances. Uh, at the same time, I, I don't remember uh, the stats exactly for this last match today. Uh, but if I remember correctly, I think he kind of struggled against Optic being Wake. Yeah, Wake went 55 and 69 for a .8 KD. Had the lowest KD and fewest kills in that Optic series. And, you know, if, if Minnesota is going to be a team that, that's in that top four conversation or getting those fourth place plays, you you got to have Big Wake being Big Wake and, and being your, your leading slayer like that. that it doesn't seem like... Uh, a recipe for success for Minnesota if he is uh, not performing up to, you know, those superstar levels that we've seen from him on occasion. 
Uh, but yeah, the, I, I think Linz and uh, Wake had some strong performances. I mean, even accuracy, and obviously Vivid, you know, you can't you know, count on any of those guys, but everybody seemed to have their moments at different times uh, throughout this tournament. If we uh, look back here um, at the scoreboard, it was actually Awakening had the lowest KD on Minnesota, and they were able to win still. Uh, Vivid had the most kills at 68. Uh, Linz was 66, and Accuracy had 60, and highest on New York was 61. Uh, that was a weird series, though. I'm just I scrolled back up in the notes. That was a part of the the uh, day one where we had multiple pauses, multiple delays. It was literally in the map one where Rocker was up like 90 or 100 points, and they ended up having to replay that map. And if if Minnesota ended up losing that map and then potentially the series after that, I think all hell would have broke loose on Twitter. It would have, you know, there were already some spicy replies and everything. Um, but it, you know, that would have been a whole other can of worms if Minnesota ended up dropping that one. It feels like ages ago that I almost forgot um, that happened. But yeah, that was, that was an impressive performance out of Minnesota. Definitely wasn't one that I saw coming. Um, the the replay of the first map to ended up two fifty to two thirty eight, so it was closer. And then obviously in a control we saw a lot of three twos um so far this season. I I do feel like just in control in general we did see a lot more offensive wins, especially on invasion, than we saw in the qualifiers. Uh but this was a three two in control here. Uh the search a six two win for Minnesota in the search was kind of uh un unexpected, but um so was this entire series. So definitely uh, one I didn't see coming there. Um, but then, you know, Minnesota goes up against Toronto. Obviously, they, they get 3-0 swept there as, as mm -hmm. part of Toronto's dominant performance. Um, but they're able to beat the Gorillas 3-2. And I think that one went down to the wire. Obviously, it went... Um, it was only a 6-3, but they, they ended up winning uh, two searches there to, to punch their ticket to uh, Championship Sunday. So mm -hmm. um, there will probably be some people who are, you know, um, more negative about Minnesota's top four placing when you take into account uh, that they beat New York, who's apparently struggling right now. You can't really say it any other way. Mm -hmm. um, but then they, they, they beat New York and LAG. And LAG is the one that, you know, people are going to have lower expectations for them. So saying, like, you beat LAG to get top four, it's not yeah. like beating a Toronto or an Optic or an Atlanta to get to top four. Um, so some people might have some doubts and questions about this Minnesota squad, too. I still, I definitely want to see more out of them. Uh, but it was definitely a, a strong performance this weekend. Can't deny them that. And better than a lot of people probably expected, including myself. So uh, good job for them. Looking forward to what they have, you know, coming up here. And we'll have to see how they're able to build off this. It is interesting, too. Obviously, uh, completely different rosters. But um, if I remember correctly, they came in third at... Boston yep. last year Major when I was five. there, and or... I'm pretty sure they beat New York there too, because that was the event. Um, New York like had the travel issues because of like the the winter storm in Texas or whatever, and like they they lost their luggage and stuff, or their flights got delayed and all that. Um, I think Minnesota did beat. Let me check. Toronto. I was actually uh, when you said or major uh, major two in Boston. Um, I was actually thinking about major five because that's the point I was going to bring up. But yeah, Minnesota finished top three in Boston last year. 
Um, they beat New York in winners round one, game five. Yep. Then they beat Optic in round two. And then they lost to FaZe and LAT uh, for top three. So, yeah. Um, but I, I was going to bring up Major 5 from last year, the Toronto Major. Minnesota also got top three in that. They did not play or, or they not did not beat New York. Um, but that one where uh, was Minnesota beat Boston in winners round one. Then they beat Florida in round two because Florida had beaten Optic in the first round. And then they got swept by FaZe and swept by New York. And I we said at the time that that top three is not, you know, they are not the third best team, essentially. Uh, it, yeah. And because Toronto had to play New York and FaZe twice. They had to play New York twice and FaZe. So, you know, that that's kind of the thing. Um, these placings, like a top three or top four, those are not always indicative um, they're often not indicative of who's the strongest. In this, uh, in this case, in this tournament, the first place team is the best team, a hundred percent. The second best team is the second best team, a hundred percent. You know, at least we don't know what's going on with New York. Maybe they'll figure it out. But right now, the second best team is Phase. The third best team really looks like to be Optic, and then everything is pretty much jumbled up after that. We thought we had a solid top four and then a kind of a jumbled up bottom eight. Turns out that we have a solid top three and a jumbled up bottom nine where those teams can kind of beat each other whenever and however, and we just kind of have to figure it out on the fly. Um, but yeah, Minnesota, I was actually going to be one of those negative people. I'm not saying that they're you know not deserving of this. They beat the, the teams in front of them. I, I never not say that. Um, but I have no idea what to make of New York now. Um, I'm not sure if this roster is doomed, like in terms of chemistry, like how a team can go from world championship winners last year in such dominant fashion to making a roster change in the off season, coming in and looking really, really good in the qualifiers, despite a very uh, one-sided loss to Toronto in the qualifiers and then to come to the major and win one map out of seven against the Minnesota Rocker and the Carolina Royal Ravens. So I kind of want to turn this around on New York because Minnesota, it's incredible what they did to get fourth place. No one was expecting that and all the credit should be given to them. But now what, what does this say about New York? Because this is a big, big disappointment to go from world champion to double first rounded by Minnesota and Carolina were the two worst teams in the league at one point. We thought those two teams were the worst teams because they hadn't won. And I think Carolina had won three maps and it was only against Vegas. So what do you make of New York? Is this a team that is in trouble or is this just growing pains as a you know new roster with Sib coming in instead of Priesta? I think it's just very important to keep in mind they they went six and one in the qualifiers too. Yeah, eighteen and eleven map count. It's just that one loss came as a three zero against Toronto was their most recent match. I'm I'm pretty sure it was their most recent. Match. I, I think it was yeah. Qualifier after that they did whatever. So 
assuming it was their last match, they're, they're on a three-game losing streak right now. And they just, that, it'd be, I think you said one in seven at the majors, so that's one in ten in their last three. Well, that, that doesn't make sense. It'd be one in six. So one in nine. Yeah, yeah one in, in six. In their and, last, yeah. yeah. Um, their last ten maps. It's it's obviously a bad time for it to happen, but it's just a skid. That before this, they they had shown, you know, incredible performances and, and looked really strong. Sib had a lot of you know strong slaying performances, which is you you bring a guy in if you're gonna make a team a team change for a world championship caliber squad. Um, you bring you're bringing in someone like Sid because you think he can get more kills than Priesta. It's not because of you know Priesta not doing the little, little dirty work or anything like that. Like that's so yeah. Sid is a slayer. That's why you're bringing him in, and he showed that so far this season. He he is able to be that slayer and, and that guy alongside Hydra. Um, it's just you know, in in my eyes at least, I I would have to go back and watch all the matches to see what I think went wrong. But I I just think it's a bad time for a losing skid, and we're gonna have to see how they respond now. If this persists throughout major two qualifiers and at major two, then yeah, I think that's a big red flag. Um. But I'm I'm not you know I'm not throwing up a flag right now and and surrendering or anything like that. I I, I think it's unfortunate timing uh, for a losing streak. But this it's it's a it's a bad losing streak. At the end of the day, this team still has a lot of potential. You can't write them off. Um, and yeah, well, how they respond will be very important. So I will. Uh, let's take a quick look here. Um, I, I just wanted to add that they had lost. To Toronto, and then they beat Boston in their final qualifier, and then they went to the major and they lost two ma uh, matches. So they they beat Boston three two in their final qualifier match. Okay. I just wanted to point that out. So I'm just I'm I'm scrolling real quick here for the the major two qualifiers. First weekend they're gonna play Carolina and Seattle. Two. Carolina, I mean we'll we'll talk about them. They they definitely mm -hmm. uh you know showed some signs of life this weekend. Yeah. Uh, and same with Seattle too. So those could be tests that give us a better you know if, if new york struggles against those two teams uh we might have to start throwing some more questions out there um then they play boston and atlanta uh obviously the atlanta one will be a a true test um and then we have miami leg and optic to round out their set of qualifiers so definitely not the hardest schedule um but it, it's definitely not the easiest either by any stretch. So um, we should have a better indication, at least by the end of these seven matches, what's going on with New York, if this really was um, a, a major turning point for the squad or if it was you know, just a blip in the road and they're able to bounce back. Yeah. Um, I think I, I just really am so interested in just the general idea of teams kind of falling on their faces at random points. Uh, I think Optic last year uh, at the end of the season, that was the perfect example of like what the hell happened where they're undefeated in the qualifiers. They get to the major, they lose to Florida. I think they lost to Seattle in the loser's bracket. Um, or maybe that was the, maybe that was champs where they lost to Seattle. Either way, like a team kind of falling apart in a, in a few weeks or in a week, that's always kind of crazy to me. Um, I'm also thinking about, you know, now we have New York where they win six of their seven qualifiers, uh, only lose to this, you know, incredible Toronto team that we now know is, you know, very, very, very good. 
but still they lose to Carolina, they lose to Minnesota. I don't think either of those teams are we can con- consider to be incredibly strong at this moment. Maybe they'll prove us wrong, especially Carolina. The more time they have together, maybe that will change. But that's even a point against New York that Carolina had very minimal practice with this specific squad. TJ is not a permanent member of the team. He's, you know, maybe he wow. will be, but he's yeah. <laughs> But he's supposed to be a fill-in, and Fellow had just joined the team recently. So it's kind of a a difficult situation for them that they're going in with very minimal practice. And New York hasn't made a roster change this year. They had this team from you know pretty much the beginning of the offseason last year because they they knew they wanted Sib, and it it just seems like things obviously things did not work out at this first major. Uh, I agree with you. It's probably not cause for concern uh, necessarily um, you know it's kind of it, it is concerning but it's definitely not something that you need to make changes uh, with and it's not maybe that serious at this moment but it could be um, but yeah I I'm pretty I'm just super <laughs> super confused about yeah. how that even happens uh, for a team like New York but maybe that is a credit to these other teams. Uh, let's talk about Carolina real quick because yeah. obviously Carolina went into the major in the loser's bracket. They did not finish in the top eight in the qualifiers, so they started in the loser's bracket. They were going to play the loser of New York and Minnesota. We both assumed that would be Minnesota. And then it's kind of a toss-up at that point between Carolina and Minnesota. Turns out New York goes down against the Carolina Royal Ravens and the Royal Ravens end up beating the Subliners 3-1 in losers round one. Um, granted, we did not know this was happening, but maybe we should have because this was a Clayster revenge game. Um, Clay, obviously, benched by New York two seasons ago, I think now. Um, so it's kind of been a while. He's had a few uh, revenge games with Vegas. But um, yeah, that... That's really incredible that Carolina was able to upset them. In the next series, they end up losing in uh, Map 5 to Seattle, which, you know, I, I don't think a lot of people were expecting anything from Carolina. I certainly, you know, it, w- it would have been, it wouldn't have been a, a shock to see them beat Minnesota in losers round one. But when you see New York go down there, you're expecting Carolina to go home with zero CDL points. But, um, a win is a win, and they really deserve a lot of credit. Um, did you learn anything new about Carolina in this kind of new look Royal Ravens roster uh, this weekend? It's tough because they still only ended up playing two matches because they, they beat New York and then they lose uh, in Game 5 to Seattle. Um but they, they got, you know, there was a very real possibility that Carolina showed up to this event and only played one series, right? Yeah. Um. So they definitely exceeded expectations in that regard. Um. It seemed like a lot of, I, I think, fellow. I saw some clips of like fellow doing interviews with Breaking Point and stuff like that. Um. It seemed like this team didn't practice S and D, and they were like, that's what like fellow seemed to yeah. be saying was that they focused a lot on respawn because they had such a limited t- amount of time. And as I kind of mentioned with this squad, they they have that, you know, the veteran S&D, you know, background um, that they could kind of like adapt on the fly instead of going in and and work on the hard points and control and then kind of just, you know, wing it for lack of a better term. 
in the searches with their, you know, the background they have in that mode and kind of try and fill the gaps that way. Um, it just turns out they they did they won a search against New York, but they end up uh, playing Seattle, and Seattle just looked really strong in search this weekend, and the Seattle took both searches against Carolina. Um, but Carolina winning a hard point against uh, Surge, although Surge has had uh, struggles and hard points at times, um, that was definitely a, a little uh, interesting in my eyes. And I think I, I feel like at this point it is a top eight finish. If Minnesota or sorry, if Carolina uh, really does believe in Real, they get the visa situation sorted out. They bring him back in for TJ. That is what it is. Um, but I, I definitely wouldn't hate it if they decided to stick with TJ for a little longer here to to see what they have. Um, Gwen in particular, I don't know the stats off the top of my head, but he was playing really well in the qualifiers, and I feel like he didn't have like the you know any of those necessarily like superstar moments that are, are coming to memory for me off the top of my mind. Um, but you know he he didn't he, de- he definitely wasn't the reason. Uh, Carolina lost by any stretch of the imagination as far as I remember. I'm pulling up the stats here real quick. He went 66 and 66 in the New York series, so that's a 1KD there. Didn't um, do quite as well against Seattle, but it's to be was expected. Was not a good one? He was uh, 61 and 80, oh, yeah, boy. 0.76. Yeah. But, so, you yeah. know, at the end of the day, it's two series. KD yeah. is KD. It is what it is. Um, so looking forward to seeing more from Gwen as this series goes and a lot of people also seem to be in the train of thought that uh he's got potential so uh there was a funny moment too on the uh the scump watch party i saw a clip of like clay talking about gwen and apparently clay uh wanted purge in the uh off season and uh purge basically said no clay sucks i don't want to play with him i think the the quote was he's buns um <laughs> where did it... oh i sent it i sent it in our chat with jim that's why um Side note about that was it was interesting. Just while we're talking, I after I mentioned Purge, um, he potentially had the lowest KD in a in a winning series in CDL history by going twenty four and fifty two for a point four six KD in Vegas's three zero win over Miami. Hey, so uh, work smarter, need, not harder. <laughs> might need to uh, reevaluate the. Uh, who he's considering buns in that sense, but you know, at the end of the day, that, that was his debut series. Um, I think in the uh, second series after, who did Vegas? Play? They played LAG. I oh, that's it was on the same day. The same day. Um, it was a reverse sweep, so it was a long, longer sample size. But he went seventy-three and seventy-two in that one. Yeah. Um, another reverse sweep for Vegas, but I'm I'm getting a little sidetracked here, but uh. Anyway, yeah, Carolina definitely exceeded expectations uh, considering, you know, like I said, a lot of people probably would have been surprised if they showed up to Boston, only played one series, lost, and went home top 12. So uh, interesting, to, interested to see how this squad uh, builds off this performance and, and exactly what they decide to do with Real. Um, obviously, that'll be at the uh, whim of, you know, visa situations and all that stuff. But, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll play it by ear and see what happens with them. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we'll talk about let's talk about Seattle and LAG finish top six each. Um, I think LAG is the more surprising one. Uh, of course, you know it wasn't an incredible 
run uh, or excuse me wasn't an incredible like list of teams that they had to beat um they beat lat which you, you might as well lat might as well forfeit against them they cannot beat uh, lag uh, another 3-1 for the gorillas in uh, losers round one um after getting swept by phase which uh, i think we both expected uh, lag to lose that series lag then like you said reverse sweep vegas in losers round two um, which Vegas is kind of making a habit of that, which is not good. Uh, and then LAG lost 3-2 to Minnesota in losers round three, uh, which would have you know got them uh, top four. It had LAG won that series, which you know top four and top six. Like granted, there's not a ton of difference, um, especially when you only lose or when you only needed to win one more map. But I think just in terms of optics, it would have looked. A lot better for this team that was slandered so heavily before the season had they finished top four instead of top six uh, but I still think LAG did a really good job um, I'm I don't think that they're a championship team but they're by no means the worst of the worst like people were expecting yeah. you know just rolling out like bottom tier challengers players that you know people were incorrectly saying before the season so um any thoughts on lag or seattle since they both finished top six this weekend yeah uh just if while i'm talking here you look up seattle's s and d record i'm interested to see what it is specifically i had it major. just a moment ago i think they're 11 and 4 if i'm not mistaken wow. um but yeah they are very very good uh so they are seven nine yeah eleven and four in search they are two and nine in control and they are seven and quick mass i think that's 13 so seven and 13 in hard point yeah so uh they are a two point. two five <laughs> and pray for a respawn team i don't know yeah. if there's a player that does that but it's not no, as I, I mean Hey, you look at that. Even their series win against Carolina, it was a two-four-five, and the, the the four is a two-fifty to two-forty-seven win. We'll take um, it. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I I think that's the thing with Carolina or sorry Seattle. I'm getting these teams mixed up in my head now. Seattle looking really good in search. They're just gonna have to figure it out. Um, there was some talk early in the uh event about potentially like the the ga punishment for breaking gas uh being more severe and potentially seattle not having the opportunity to to scrim leading up to this event as punishment for g breaking gas and th there could have been people who were like yeah that that kind of um explains toronto just absolutely 3-0 body slamming them but as it turns out that's probably more indicative of uh, just Toronto's strength, and you know it could have played a factor, and maybe the maps could have been a little more competitive. But um, end of the day, it just looks like uh, Seattle right now really strong in search. That they're gonna have to figure it out uh, in hardpoint in particular. But obviously, being really bad in control, whatever you said, two and nine or whatever, that's just they're gonna have to turn that around to some degree. To um, if they're gonna succeed in search, like you said, they're gonna have to find a way to ensure they they're getting that one respawn the series if they want to win some series. So, uh, will be interesting to see how um, Seattle responds. Um, and they could be, you know, a team like Seattle could benefit from 
these hard point changes coming up, right? Like if they're just really bad at hard point right now, they really can't get worse with the new hard points, right? Like yeah. you can only, you would think they could only get better by, you know, well, technically they, they could get worse. Them. I think but. they could, they could, but you know, you, you think like, let's just forget everything we've been doing and, you know, turn things around here. Um, but yeah, that those guys on, on Seattle, they got some, you know, really good S and D minds there especially with Ilya and Rambo um, and Hook and Arcides obviously have been on strong S&D teams in the past as well. So um, not super surprising that that's been their, their bread and butter so far, um, mm-hmm. but we'll be looking to see what they're able to do in hard point control going forward to try and uh, solidify their case as a top six team. Um, for LAG, yeah, I think the, the storyline, the narrative is really cool for them at, at this point. That, Like you said, a lot of teams were basically they were the last team to announce their roster, and they announced that roster, and there's drama, and all these all people, everyone's a critic, and you know, debating whether the team's going to be bad and whatnot. They've certainly, in my eyes, and I feel like in the eyes of many by now, they, they've exceeded those expectations, which if, if you're projecting a team to be worse... Uh, being the worst team in the league, and they win anything after that, then they're they're exceeding those expectations. But I I do I I think it's interesting that LAG has been somewhat competitive with some of the top teams, especially in the qualifiers. Um, at this event, they did lose three zero to Phase. Um, but they you know they they get to top six by beating LAT in Vegas. You can debate that all you want, but it's kind of like you're saying with Minnesota. You you play the teams put in front of you, and you you have no control over that. So um, we'll be interested to see what uh you know LEG is able to build off of from here. But um you know it, it's definitely a better start than LEG teams in the past and what people potentially thought of for LEG this season. Yeah. Um, obviously they're not a great team right now. Maybe they will never be, uh, but you know, they got top six. That's a very respectable result, especially for LAG because that organization in general has been very bad. So, you know, I, I think that they'll take that. Um, also I was just looking at their map counts, um, throughout the season so far, uh, hard point and control, they're almost 500, uh, eight and nine in hard point, five and six in control. S and D is where they've struggled. They're four and 10 this season. Um, wow. so that could be a reason why they can compete with some of the better teams. You know, if you can take a hard point or, you know, obviously any respawn that gives you a very good chance of winning, um, respawn is, you know, the majority of the series. So if you're a great respawn team in theory, if you're winning every single respawn, you in theory you should win every series, but um, obviously that's not LAG so far. Um, and S and D did come back to bite them. They lost both of those S and Ds against Minnesota, which you know ended up losing them the series. Uh, but they did beat the Legion in Game Five. They dominated them on Terminal S and D six one. Diamond Con had nine kills. Estriel had eight. So maybe there is some hope there. Uh, for LAG as we move forward through this season. Um, let's try, I mean, we're just at over an hour through this show, um, and the only teams left that we haven't really talked about are Miami, um, LAT, and Boston. I think that's it. Um, obviously, yeah, Miami is... Uh, yeah, that is a, a big... One to they got so all of these teams that you know Boston, Miami, and LAT 
They were all knocked out in losers round one. Uh, so zero CDL points, zero wins on the weekend. Um, but Miami is the big one because one, they were the only team that did not win a map this weekend. They went 0-6, which is interesting because they were kind of like sweeping a lot of their uh, opponents in the qualifiers, you know, specifically Optic last weekend, which was a big one. And then they come and play Optic in the winner's round one match. They lose 3-0. They drop down to play Vegas, and they lose 3-0 to Vegas, which is not a good sign. Um, yeah. So what what are your thoughts now on Miami? Because we have been high on them in terms of maybe if they keep progressing when they – I think they went 3-0 and to start. I think we're like, oh, if they keep winning, like maybe we can – put them in that top four if they keep if they beat like a good team and they're able to prove it then they lost two in a row and then they won two in a row to finish the qualifiers now they've lost two in a row again and that last loss is to vegas so what are your thoughts on miami after major one i mean obviously it's a it's a small sample size on land but oh and six is oh and six map count oh and two series count uh on land the question has to be raised is is this team just an online team they they play in Florida which historically throughout uh cod's history i think aches was mentioning it on the flanks talking about apathy back when he was playing in Florida it used to be really strong uh online connection we even back to the mw 2019 days that that Florida mutineers team won some of the online home series when they're playing from Florida i, I don't even remember if they all were in Florida actually at the at the time but i don't remember um I, I just I, I remember historically throughout COD it's been talked about as you know, Florida being an area that that could have a positive internet connection and and all that stuff and that is what it is at the end of the day but question has to be raised like what's going on with Miami here um the one thing that stood out to me outside of obviously them not winning a map is Journey really just struggled this weekend uh, in the Optic series, he went 39 and 61 for a 0.67. Now, in this series in particular, Lucky wasn't that far behind. He was also he was 39 and 53, so just had eight fewer deaths. Um, but then in the Vegas series, Journey was the only one negative on Miami. He went 35 and 61 for a 0.57, and you know. Considering Purge was 24 and 52, uh, there were some jokes on the flank after that night that uh, this was essentially a 3v3 series. But mm -hmm. yeah, um, yeah that, that's what really Journey in particular struggled this weekend. Um, interesting situation for Miami is they do have that five-man roster. I don't know how Eric Boom performed in the Challengers event. Um, but obviously, as we mentioned earlier, he's been playing on this new patch um it could point. be a situation where they, they decide to bring him in because he has a little more experience um and they would be they would be one of the teams that's in a position to make a move like that it wouldn't you know not technically cost them any more money as a franchise because they already like have him signed yep. um so that's something to keep an eye on coming in here especially if the team feels like you know they, they need to make a move i'm pretty sure if I remember correctly, heading into the season, there there were there were initial reports that Journey. I, I think didn't Journey like tweet out he was starting in Challengers. Yeah, yeah. and then the team decided like to to make that swap. So I think it was going to be Eric Boom for Journey, initially. Then Journey comes in, Eric Boom starts in 
calendar. So it wouldn't be that far-fetched in my eyes if they decide to bring Eric Boom in. But they did go five and two in the online portion, so they might just think, you know, it's it's a you know a speed bump here, and they're able to work the, some things out and turn it around. But if we get another repeat of this in the major two cycle, where Miami performs very well in the qualifiers and then just doesn't show up on land, uh, we're definitely going to have to you know ask some questions about whether this team is you know able to compete at the highest level on land and here, just you know. Or whether it's a you know they are quote unquote onlineers as as people like to refer to certain people in the community. Yeah. Um. So Eric Boom played with Cruz Lunars and Gunzi in Challengers Open. They finished third. So okay. I mean that's pretty good. They yeah. out outplace Spart Temp, uh, Prolutes team, uh, outplace your team, uh, Bink Dak Noisy and Flame. So. I mean, get your gunny up. You only place top six. Um, but yeah, I, I think that was a good point. I didn't think about that, but Eric Boom has been playing on the new patch. He might be further ahead than Journey, and there's just a, like the ability to make that change is so easy for Florida. Um, you know, there aren't that many teams that actually even have a substitute, so trying to make that change is difficult for a lot of those teams well it's not difficult if you wanted to spend the money but a lot of them don't and that makes it difficult i think what boston has pentagram and that's pretty much it right um in terms of an actual substitute that isn't a coach um but yeah i i think i i don't know if it'll be at the beginning of the major two qualifiers but i would be pretty shocked if eric boom isn't uh, hasn't played a CDL match by the beginning of the major three qualifiers. I think at some point he's going to come in. Maybe it will be for Journey. I, that's That definitely seems the most likely at the moment, but I, I'm not entirely sure on how interchangeable these guys are in terms of their skills. But yeah, I, I do think Eric Boom at some point will be uh, on the Miami Heretics starting roster. Um, and I'm not sure. I... I I think they overperformed um, in the qualifiers. Uh, I mean, especially the optic win. I don't think that is. I I hate to say it, but I don't think that's indicative of like who they are. Like I think they win a a, a series against a good team. I don't think that they're better than optic, and I think they're right around the middle of the pack, maybe lower than that. Um, but like I just like I said earlier, like it's kind of like a a bottom nine situation where. They can all beat each other at various points, I'm sure, but maybe this 0-6 weekend will make Miami rethink how they go ahead uh, for the major two qualifiers. Uh, let's talk about Boston and LAT real quick because both these two teams, they lost in winner, or losers round one. Uh, LAT lost to LAG, another loss uh, in that rivalry, so to speak, uh, and Boston lost 3-2 to Seattle, um, obviously Boston losing is a bit, that was a big blow to the fans, uh, as this was the Boston breach major, um, you know, the breach looked like they did a really good job, uh, in terms of running this event. Um, but again, to have your team, your, the, the team that is being supported by everyone for them to lose in their first and only match of the weekend, not great, uh, certainly for any of them. Um, any thoughts on LAT or Boston um, as they head into Major 2? 
In both cases, both these teams had one guy who performed really well, and mm -hmm. I don't know if it was impacted by the performances in the grand finals, but I believe before the grand finals they showed um, the top KDs of the tournament, and number one was Slasher because he only played in one series, but he went 94 and 65 for a 1.45. Uh, number two was Ghosty because he went 88 and 62 for a 1.42. And I think Pred was like fourth and Pred played like five more series than them. And yeah. it was kind of ridiculous. Um, so those those positions and uh, wh where they were top KD wise for the event were probably impacted by some of the results of the grand finals. But um Slasher really, you know, especially for Boston, outside of that, you know, what seemed like and what apparently still is an outlier win against Toronto in the qualifiers. Um, Slasher, historically known for being a great player on land, showed up, did his thing in uh, limited sample size here, but he played really well. Um, and same for Ghosty. And I don't know if you have the numbers pulled up for uh, LAT so far this season and their records on maps, but... I believe they said on the flank that LAT is 1-11 in hardpoint this year. And if that's the case, um, that's just not going to cut it. Um, They're actually 1-12, so it's worse. Sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, that's just, that. that's really bad. And you're, you're you know, we're, we were talking about, well, I don't even remember what Seattle was, but we uh, they were like 6 and. 13 or something you said at, at that point yeah I think um, so. we were saying like you know they can't technically get worse or they can technically get worse on the new patch um lat is in a position where they they literally the only way they get worse on the new patch and hard point is if they don't win any hard points mm -hmm. um it's realistic now too. it is it's possible um the the thing to consider with lat is um they seem to be they, there was it, 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 obviously if you guys haven't watched the flank definitely go check it out um i didn't watch any of the episodes outside of the one after this one but um aches was going on a rant and it was kind of funny um he was pulling up text which he kept it anonymous but it, it seemed to imply that the conversation was with jcap just based on who what they were talking about yeah um and uh he like said like a roster he was reading the text from like july of saying like they should have I think the lineup was like Abuza, Gwen, Ghosty, and I think he said Lens. Um it's like who who they should have went after or something like that. And everyone was like going nuts and all it, it was funny, but um nonetheless the important thing to keep in mind here, even if LAT is struggling right now, one eleven and hardpoint, one and twelve, whatever, um We've already heard from the organization that they are like, you know, scaling back how much money they're spending on the CDL. Yeah. And, you know, I would be very surprised if they did like multiple changes here to try. And what was that? I don't know. <laughs> you, had, you had a, a bubble thumbs up. Somebody was thumbs up at what I was saying. <laughs> I have no idea what was going on. <laughs> That's funny. Um, but yeah, I, I think the monetary situation for the 100 Thieves organization and the LAT franchise has to be considered here. 
Um, I would be surprised if, you know, obviously the, the thing with aches and the flank, you know, blow it up. And um, I would be very surprised if that's what they do, just because it would be expensive for LAT to go out and try and, you know, in a world where they try and do what, like, well, technically different situation, but if, if they, based on performance of this land, they, they drop three guys and they keep ghosty and sign three challengers players, that wouldn't be very cheap. And yeah, um, that doesn't seem likely just based on what we've heard financially with what the organization is looking to do. So it will be interesting to see how LAT tries to um, adapt and adjust and improve without breaking the bank. Um, yeah. Austin, I don't think I expect them to really make any changes. I think we've seen, you know, in the online qualifiers, Snoopy had some standout performances and played well, and that led to victories. Um, if they get some more reps in and he's able to do that on land with Slasher playing the way he did in this, even if Slasher like takes us, you know, doesn't drop 94 kills and takes a step back to like a 1.05 or one, even a 1.0. Um, and then Snoopy and Capsidal are just playing a little bit better up to what they were able to do in some of their wins online. Um, I think the, the Boston team has potential to turn things around there, but, um, definitely, interesting gonna be interesting to see what some of these teams do i just think based on what we have with the patch and the changes it's going to bring to hardpoint this is a more open window for potential roster changes than after the first event of any previous season yeah um I can't think of like there being a super major update like this after the first event in previous seasons that were like teams were like, oh, this is our chance. Like we got to make changes now or, you know, other teams were see have seemingly in the past been more willing to give teams a larger sample size to try and work out issues. Um, but just due to what's happening here, potentially challengers having uh, a leg up on some of the pros in terms of playing on this new patch and whatnot. Um, it has to be evaluated whether some of these franchises who haven't performed well so far want to uh, dip into that challengers pool for a potential move. Yeah, I see with LAT, it's interesting because I know we had talked about how, you know, they're rebuilding. That was kind of like the, the message that they put out there in the offseason. Like, we're not going to resign any of our guys. Um, Octane is retiring. So, you know, it's a completely new era with the Thieves. <laughs> I understand that point of it. I, I that's fine. Like you're not gonna you're not gonna make a championship roster because you don't want to spend that money. I'm fine with that transparency. I'm just a little confused by the roster construction because I always thought if you are gonna go in a different direction, you go for all challengers players or like you know a ton of really like young. You're gonna develop the talent and then you're gonna see what happens. You're kind of gonna your team is going to grow with each other essentially. And I'm not saying that these guys can't grow with each other or whatever, but like Cammy has been around for a while. He was, you know, an MVP candidate like four years ago. Uh, Ghosty hundred uh, percent understood. Joe deceives understood. Afro is a little bit different because like his stock is maybe down. And, and that's kind of what I, I think they are trying to do with this roster or maybe what, a possible avenue was get afro get cammy get ghosty get joe deceives let's see how far they can go maybe another team would want to buy them or trade for them or something and then you kind of re rehabilitate 
whatever kind of stock they had, especially with Afro Okami, where both of those uh, guys' seasons were not very good last year, and maybe they're you know not as highly sought after, and maybe you can get them to that point. Um, but I'm just surprised that they didn't go after the young guys, or maybe they did, and maybe they just struck out like the the Lins and I, the Booza roster yeah. or whatever. Maybe I think there were some rumors out. about them going after Abuza uh, earlier in the offseason and stuff like that. But uh, it is, you know, it is certainly interesting. Obviously, we know what LAT is capable of their their previous roster that won a world championship. But um, you mentioned Octane retires. Envoy wins a championship with Toronto. Kenny, or Draza, gets second with Atlanta. And Kenny gets third with Optic. Um, so... Their last roster obviously is still seeing success, even though they've they've gone their separate ways. But yeah, um, I think to your point, the the only one who's really like you know a proven quantity at this point in my eyes is Cami. Um, like you said in, in Cold War MVP candidate at the end of that season. Um, but he's he's had his ups and downs since then. You kind of know what to expect from him at this point. Afro. Not hasn't been around as long as Cammy, but we've had him for a couple of years now where it's been, you know, flashes of brilliance and then, you know, getting benched last year. So ups and downs there as well. But then Joe Deceives is, you know, he Joe Deceives and Ghosty both haven't had a full year in the CDL because Joe Deceives comes in after Major 1 last year with LAG. Ghosty yeah. comes in after, after Major 2, I think. Major 2, yeah. Um... So yeah, they're they're still new and developing talent, so they got time. But yeah, I just think based on what we know about the organization, I will definitely be curious to see how they decide to go about this uh, little break before the major two qualifiers start. Um, we'll get out here in just a second. So the numbers for LAT, like I said, one and twelve in hard point, not great. Uh, four and five in search, five and three in control. So you know. 50 50 uh essentially in search and control combined uh and then boston six and eight in hard point three and eight in search and five and three in control so i mean they are 500 right now in respawns 11 and 11 in respawns and then three and eight in search so uh you know a lot of room for improvement for both of those teams especially for lat hard point you you can't lose you know ninety percent of your hard points. You're never gonna win a series like that, or you're never gonna consistently win like that. That's just, I, I, what was it? Seattle last year where they couldn't win. Was it hard point or control? It was one of them where they were losing pretty much every single map. Um, that's just not. It's not gonna work. Um, and Boston is you know not nearly as extreme. They're you know, 50-50 and respawn. They do have to improve in that, and they definitely have to improve in search. But like you said, I think it's easier to ride, ride out that Boston roster with two young guys, with two veterans that have won world championships and hope that, you know, those veterans can kind of rub off on the younger guys and help them develop. We'll see how it goes. Um, it's, you know, really interesting. Both of those uh, rosters are very interesting, and we'll keep watching them as this season goes along. Um, anything else uh, I did want to mention, 
Um, the really unfortunate news that Activision Blizzard uh, or Microsoft laid off a lot of Activision Blizzard employees um, earlier uh, or late last week. Um, and I know there was a lot of uncertainty of uh, ar around the, the people that were working the Boston major about whether they would have jobs to come back to um, because, you know, the messaging around those layoffs um, and the communication for that and the timing of it um, is just horrible. And I, I feel really bad for all of those people. I hope that everyone has their jobs when they go back um, and that, you know, everybody lands on their feet if not. Uh, but yeah, just a horrible thing to happen. And, uh, you know, honestly, a great event. Um, obviously there were delays and there were mess ups or whatever, but it's very hard to blame a single person. I'm more, I'm more liable to blame Activision Blizzard as a whole, you know, the developers in general. I, I like blaming those, the, the big, um, big entities because that's, that's a lot easier, um, to put the blame on them. Um, but yeah, that was about it. Uh, in terms of the topics that we had, um, we're about an hour and 30 in, um, but the pick them, uh, so we did the whole pick them for this first qualifier set and the first major. So we've actually done 60 matches, um, this, I think it was 60 total matches this season. Uh, and I have a one match lead. No thanks to Tremor. Because <laughs> what was that Friday night? Um, yeah. I got home from work, and that was the day. Or no, I I didn't work Friday night, but I was just really tired that day. It was just a very very long day, and I took a nap. And Bink was texting me like, "What's your pick? What's your pick?" And then I was still asleep when it was like the LAG versus Vegas game, was it? And he was like, "Tremor picked <laughs> Vegas for you," so. Vegas was Tremor's pick. Uh, they did not win that map. It was match. looking good. So that's um, what uh, I was talking to Tremor because it was, um, it was right after the Seattle Boston series. Yeah. Obviously, he was excited about Illy playing well in the game five. Um, so we were talking about the S and D, and I was just like, you, you weren't answering me, so I was like, you know, screw it. If I gotta get a pick, I'll just yeah. have Tremor fill in. <laughs> Um, and we'll go with that. And he was like, and, you know, Vegas goes up too low. He's like, he didn't even know I picked LAG. And he's like, God, I'm so smart. And he, he was like hyping himself up a little bit, just jokingly. And then the reverse sweep happens and he just like replied to his own message. And he was like, never mind. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, we'll decide if we actually want to count it, but it, it, it's in there. It, if it comes down to me beating you by one at the end of the season, we'll call it a tie. Okay. Yeah. So at, at the moment, the the pick'em is thirty nine and twenty one for Bink, forty and twenty for me, and zero and one for Tremor. Um, he really needs to pick it up. A zero percent win percentage. He's almost at let level right now on his pick'em. Um, I mean, I I do own both uh, a shirt for the Paris Legion, but the Legion, and I own an LAG shirt. I also own a Minnesota Rocker shirt. So they my top four Minnesota Rocker. Um, that's just a, and I also own a Legion hat. So what? But you have been on the LAG hype train and the Paris and winning champs train at the multiple times. So it's, you know, if it was like Atlanta versus LAG, I probably would have just picked Atlanta for you. But this was one where it was like, I could have saw you pick either team and I didn't know which way to do it. So that's why I decided to consult the ego child correspondent, Tremmy. Yeah. 
that um, that is the PSOG Bowl for sure. Uh, that that's really near and dear to my heart. Um, both of those teams have disappointed me immensely throughout my CDL fandom. So I'm glad that Tremor picked wrong because that's that's very representative of my my luck with either of those teams and picking them. Um, so yeah, that does it for the major one recap show. Uh, this was a longer show. These are usually our longest shows of the of the season. You know, I think whatever there are four majors, five majors a season. Um, I think four with champs. These are always our longest shows. They'll always be closer to ninety minutes. You know, we don't tend to, we don't try to make it that way. It's just we have a lot to talk about, and we're not gonna try to break it over two weeks. Um, but we do have, I think, two weeks off in terms of the CDL calendar. So there's like a two week gap before the following week. Uh, I think that's what the 16th or something like that. That's when the CDL comes back for the major two qualifiers. Um, I'm not sure exactly what we're going to do to kind of bridge that gap. I do want to do our tier list and power rankings again. Now that we have a major one in the books, we have you know, a lot of these matches or a lot of these teams have played at least eight matches, um, you know, quite a few more for, for some of them. Um, so we can kind of do that. Um, but I'm not sure exactly when or how we're going to uh, set up the calendar for the next few weeks. Um, but we will, you know, probably be back next week, if not the week after for sure. Um, and we're, we're trying at least not to take off two weeks in a row because then it becomes a habit and I don't want to do the show again because I just kind of get lazy and I'm like, well, I have a night off again. So, um, hopefully we'll, we'll do one next week or the week after. Uh, but I thank you guys so much for listening or what, uh, watching all of this. This was a long show. I've been sweating throughout. I, again, I'm sick. So I'm just like losing my mind a little bit. Um, especially at the end of the show, I always kind of lose my mind. Um, but it's been a very fun show. I think one of our best uh, major recap reaction shows um, because we had quite a bit to talk about. Uh, again, congrats to the Toronto Ultra on the win. Um, congrats to the New York Subliners for kind of crap in the bed. Um, congrats to uh, FaZe for getting to another grand final. I don't know how many that is in the CDL, by the way, but um, I think... Uh, I think it might have been breaking point, but it was somebody that tweeted like Abizi and Simp have now made like the most grand finals in like, oh man, I forget what the stat was. Um, but basically it was a question about whether they are the greatest duo of all time. Um, oh, it was Brian Stats one, uh, Bink's favorite stats guy. Simp and Abizi <laughs> will now be appearing in a grand finals together in their sixth different COD title tying crim six and karma for the most ever greatest duo of all time so um that's another debate for another day i don't think it's really a big debate on this podcast but oh. it is another topic for another day um again thank you guys for listening or watching make sure to subscribe to the youtube channel uh, i think google podcast died by the way i think they just scrapped that whole thing so just focus on the youtube spotify apple podcast um, amazon music etc uh, follow us on Twitter at jbink with two Ks at Prez Byers. The podcast Twitter's at Ego Child Podcast, um, and we'll be back sometime soon uh, in your podcast feed or your t YouTube feed. Um, and Bink, take it away. 
Yeah, uh, just real quick before we get out of here, you, yeah. can you uh, pull up the bracket just so we have it for those watching on video? Just yep, yep, yep. Uh, usually have it on a little longer, but if we at least just have it here at the end, people can uh, get a quick snippet of it as we're uh, yep. getting out of here. Should be on um, screen now. Cool. So, yeah, there you go. That was uh, that, That's all it was right there. I mean, you, you look at it real quick, too. You see those three O's in the top half by... Uh, Toronto, it's, it kind of just shows how dominant their run really was and brings it full circle from what we were talking about it over an hour ago. Um, so yeah, congrats to Toronto again, like you said. Uh, was a super fun tournament. I, you know, I wasn't there like I was last year, but um, had a fun, lot of fun watching, and it felt good to have another land event, uh, you know, worth of matches and all that good stuff. So um, looking forward to the next. Uh, whenever we are back, uh, we will hopefully, you know, I haven't tried out ranked play yet, but hopefully by then I will have played a little bit of it so I'll know a little bit more about what the new hard points are and all that um, and can be a little more informed about what we might be able to expect out of that. And then obviously once we get into week two of the qualifiers, uh, we'll have be seeing those hard points in action and we'll be able to talk about all that. But um, before that, obviously I'm hoping you uh, feel better, get well soon. Um personal news for me my dad is going in for knee surgery on tuesday um last one he had one of his knees done a couple years ago and it led to a blood clot going up to his heart had a heart attack it was a whole mess um so you know hoping well wishes for you and anybody else listening wants to keep my dad in mind hopefully things go a little bit better this time um but yeah other than that we'll, we'll see you guys whenever we're back again um and thank you as always for all the support and just remember to send the chat.